Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and check out all the stuff that you can get so that you'll have those daily reminders that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people just like you. I'm your host, Claudia. Over the last year and a half, we've had some pretty amazing guests, and this week, we're celebrating a few of your favorites. So stay tuned for some of their best stories, great advice, and a few laughs in between from ours. Yep. So how do you make conflict less scary for people? So this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> So like, this is my spiel. Conflict is not a dirty word. Conflict is inevitable. And the question is, can you understand each other enough to have this conversation that doesn't have to escalate into a conflict? I I, I have had people calling me, let's say for therapy, right? Where they're saying, we need a third party because to tell us who's right and who's wrong. Okay. Now, if you're coming to therapy in order to have a competition of who's right and who's wrong, you are both gonna lose, right? Okay, so the point of conflict actually is mutual understanding. It is not even about resolving the thing that you're coming to the table about, okay? The first step has to be, can we come from a place of understanding that this is a relationship of love and a foundation of trust and respect? And therefore, with that premise, can we have a conversation where we might disagree about something, where we might have even strong feelings about something. And can we do that in a way that doesn't have to be um, critical or demeaning or attacking in any way, right? And so what that means is I, I, it, I work from an EFT perspective in my therapy world and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to apply that to um, the marriage planner. Mm -hmm. So the understanding of EFT, which is emotionally focused couples therapy, is that there is a pattern of interaction that every couple has, and it repeats itself every conflict, no matter what the topic. Okay. So what that typically looks like, okay. So the most common pattern, I'll just give the most common pattern is what we call the pursuer withdrawer. Okay. And what that looks like is that the one person will initiate a conversation by saying, I need something from you. Okay. So it's either, can you please do this? Can you please not do this? I need something from you. And sometimes it's coming from a place of, I need to connect with you. Right. So we need to understand the meaning behind the request. And for some reason, because of each party's internal stuff and their own stuff from childhood and their previous relationships and all that stuff, right so that the second person ends up hearing it as criticism, okay? It lands on them like a grenade and they can either shut down and withdraw and say, screw it, I'm not having this conversation, right? Or they get defensive and attack back, which sends a message back to that first person. Do you even care? Does this matter enough to you? Are we gonna, are are, are you gonna show up for me? Are we gonna, are we gonna make it? right? Because when that lands on that second person as criticism, the way that they internalize it is, I can never please you. I can never make you happy. I I keep disappointing you. I'm not good enough, et cetera, right? Now, again, this is the most common pattern. Of course, we have other ones also, right? Mm -hmm. There's the avoider avoider, right? Which oftentimes means we don't ever fight, right? Um, 
I mean, I don't know that we'll have time to go into that one right now, but typically what that means is that avoiders avoid for lots of good reasons. I'm afraid of what's gonna implode. I don't know how to say this. I've never seen healthy conflict, right? I'm afraid that even if I say it in the nicest way possible, that it will land in a way that you can't hear. And I value this relationship too much to go there, right? So it's operating out of fear for the most part, right? And what typically happens there is that if you can't communicate about your feelings, no matter what the feelings are, there ends up being a barrier where if you can't, if you can't share everything, there's just something walled up, right? That you just are missing a piece of, of, of that, that level of intimacy that you can get to. Right. And so in this pattern, what we really need to get to is the underlying meaning, right? Of and what does this mean to you? Right. Why does this end up triggering you in this way? Right. And we can get to that to understand that. Right. And it's some really, really powerful stuff when people are able to really see where each other's coming from. And it can take the sting out of how people internalize what their partner is saying. What gave you the courage to say, I'm going to make this change? You, you mentioned that you went through child abuse, you lived in a war zone, which I can't even fathom. And then you had the, the issue with the kids at school. So, you know, what was it like for you when you said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get past this. I'm gonna be stronger and see what I can do to get through this. There were, again, a couple of factors. I cannot take all the credit. I, I give a lot of credit to my teachers, actually. Uh, in school, I had a couple of teachers, Ms. Wallach and Ms. Hudson, who became Mrs. Gutman. And the reason I say that is because I was a very withdrawn kid after that. I didn't, I, I was good at violin, so I was in the orchestra, and I was good at singing, so I was in the choir. But I never wanted to be someone who... I don't even know how to say this. I didn't want to be someone who uh, stood out, if you will. And because I didn't want to stand out, I, I ended up getting into a place where, I don't even know how to say this in a way that will work. I wanted to be the person who didn't talk to anyone. I wanted to be the person who didn't ask anyone. But at the same time, choir made me be a person who wanted to express myself through creativity. And when you get to that place, when you go, oh, you know what? I am going to express myself through creativity. Then suddenly things open up in a way that I had not expected, right? So I became able to express myself through someone else's words, right? So when I was able to sing, I wasn't singing my words, I was singing someone else's words and that made it a lot easier. But also, Miss, Mrs. Gutman, I hated to read, in part because no one ever taught me how to read English, for example. And she suggested that I read a book. She's like, try this. And I was terrified because I thought I was going to have to stand up in front of the class and do a book report. And she said, no, you don't have to do that. Just read this book. She gave me two books to read, The Phantom Tollbooth and Black and Blue Magic, Black and Blue Magic by Zilfa Keatley Snyder. And... I got to tell you, they changed my life. So what happened was I started reading and ended up reading two books a day for my entire sixth grade. Like I would literally go into the library. Ms. Wallach would give me two books. I would return the books from the previous day. And I was just reading, 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 taking in. And I discovered Nancy Drew books. Ah, and that was amazing because... I found she she was she was outgoing, she was adventurous, she had friends, she went on these incredible adventures, she solved mysteries. 
And she had a dad who cared about her, which I did not. I mean, I had a dad, but he, you know, abusive father. So because of that, I was able to see that there were other possibilities, right? That's something that I hadn't really known because in my house, it was my dad's way or the highway. He once held up a piece of white paper to all of us, to my sisters and I, and he said, I'm your father. And if I say this piece of paper is black, your job is to say, yes, dad, it's black. You know, what do you do with that? So you, you, in, in, in my mind, that was how a father treated his children. Whereas in Nancy Drew books, Carson Drew was supportive and a wonderful dad. So having that was amazing, having that touchstone. So anytime I find focal points or touchstones like that, that's what I hold on to in challenging times. Did you think that that was all fiction? You know, when you were reading it because you didn't have that experience on your own, did it feel like kind of a safe, nice place to be, but it couldn't possibly be real? That's an interesting question and one no one has ever asked me before, Claudia, and here's why. Because I didn't understand the difference between fiction and nonfiction when I was a kid. I remember when uh, when we came over right when Gerald Ford had become president and then Jimmy Carter won the presidential election. Just a, We came over in 74, 7 to 76. And I didn't understand that the peaceful transition of power was possible. And so I was terrified that something horrible was about to happen because I didn't understand that this was this this was different. This is done differently here in the USA than it's done other places where peaceful transitions of power don't really happen. So so that was a real challenge for me. When I saw fictional things happening on television, I didn't understand that they weren't real. Also, I just I had no one explained to me, no, this is just a story. I didn't understand that it wasn't actually I don't know, whatever <laughs> dynasty or whatever the show was, right? I didn't get it. I didn't understand that that's what was, that that was fictional. And it wasn't until later that I went, oh, none of that was real. Okay. So there aren't going to be aliens coming down from the sky. Got it. Okay. Now I understand. And, and it became a lot easier for me to, to understand what was happening and separate the two as I got older. Do you, do you stop what you're doing? I, when you said that, um, the Humpty Dance came into my mind and I wanted to start doing that because anytime I hear stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to. Anyway, um, that's all I'm going to do. I can do the whole song, but what made you decide that you wanted to focus on salespeople and business with this newfound talent and information that you have? So for me, it was, you know, I'm a business owner. Um, I've owned my own business together with my husband, uh, you know, since 2015. Uh, Before that, uh, you know, I was uh, in the government sector. And I've always had uh, a desire to speak. Uh, Speaking has always, I've spoken across North America with my government career for 20 years. And I speak at every opportunity in the business community now. And what I learned through, you know, speaking with others in the, or especially over the pandemic, right? It was, uh, it was really evident that so many were struggling with that sensation or that feeling of being isolated, those feelings of having 
uh, you know, negative thinking. And a lot of what I noticed was that sales people in particular, who were maybe used to being out, uh, you know, talking to their prospects, talking with their clients, were struggling with this mindset challenge as well. And so I decided that, I mean, I'm in sales, uh, in my business, sales and marketing are are key to any business. So I really, I love business. Uh, I'm excited by business. I, you know, I have a really difficult time kind of not being always in my business. And so I thought, well, this is not an exciting opportunity to help others who are kind of in that sales uh, industry to use the, the things that I've learned to help them you know, they may not be able to change the circumstances with COVID, right? We may not be able to be out in the world, but what we can do is change our mind. And so by changing your mind, you change your results and your outcome. And this is where, you know, I kind of got to the point where I, I know how to sell. I sell every day. I find sales exciting and I love meeting people. And this is, the case with every salesperson is that they are out there dealing with their prospects. But if you're doing it from a phone, as opposed to being in person, for example, uh, you know, some sales uh, folks <laughs> have call reluctance, for example, right? You, you don't feel like you want to pick up that phone. There's something about that anxiety uh, about picking up the phone where maybe you're really great at going in person and meeting people, or maybe it's the opposite. You know, maybe you're, you're, you have no problems picking up the phone, but doing that sales presentation in person is a challenge. And so at the end of the day, what it actually is, is mindset. It just boils down to mindset. And so if you can use the, the phrases, the, the affirmations, the mantras, whatever you want to call it, that help your brain choose the positive outcome as opposed to go with the anxiety or the negative thought, then that's where you feel motivated and excited and interested. And so that's where that all came about really was just how I could help other salespeople continue to succeed through this kind of challenging time. And the reality is now, you know, if, if things happen again, who knows in the world, right? Now they have the tools uh, to be adaptable and have that success mindset that can guide them and, and drive them no matter what the circumstances are. And that's about the outcome or the result, right? Is that we choose our own thoughts. We choose our own mind uh, mindset. And as a result of that, you know, nobody else needs to know what you're thinking. That's the other thing I really love about mindset is <laughs> you don't have to tell anybody, right? What you're thinking, you can just be chugging away in your mind, you know, telling yourself how great you are and how great your life is and how great everything is going. And it doesn't matter what actually is happening in the world because it's just what you're telling yourself. I love, you know, what you said about loving salespeople and being a salesperson. I equate everything with sales, to be honest with you, even when I was a police officer, to me, that was a sales job because I had to mm -hmm. sell whatever solution I had, you know, in my back pocket, whether that was taking you to jail or making you, or, you know, trying to get you to leave your house so that you didn't continue to fight with your spouse. I had to sell that 
solution to you. So I also feel really strongly about sales. And I feel like in some way, we're all salespeople in that regard. What kind of positive impacts have you seen this mindset shift have in people's general lives, not just their work? Well, I think what happens is that when you start to feel more positive uh, and you start to get those ideas and insights and circumstances in your life, you, you feel excited by that and motivated by that. And you want to set goals. You want to achieve more. You're expanding. You know, your mind is expanding. So what I've noticed uh, generally is that people really start getting excited about expanding their lives. They want to set goals. They want to set big goals. And they think in their mind they can do it. And that's the key piece, right? I think you're absolutely right. Everybody is in sales. A mom is trying to sell her family on, you know, healthy eating or <laughs> during all of this homeschooling, right? That being online is the necessary and that you have to do that to learn. Or, you know, or it's the it's the the business person who's who's trying to sell something uh, out in there in the community online as opposed to in person. Everybody is in sales. I totally agree with you. And so I think what happens is that once you start to to get those great ideas coming in, you just want to continue to grow and grow and grow. And that's what I've noticed the most out of the, you know, the the groups that I've chatted with, the people that I've uh, presented to, is that they want to continue to uh, achieve goals. And the nice thing about mindset is that it is an ever-expanding awareness, really. You know, our, our minds are amazing. They have no limit, right? They really are unlimited in their capacity for, you know, whatever it is that we want in the world. And the, the fun thing is, as I've mentioned, you know, when you're setting a really big goal, you know, it causes a lot of anxiety and stress and, and excitement at the same time. But the nice thing about it is that you, you don't actually have to tell anybody about that goal. You can just continue to take the actions that come to you through your positive mindset and build yourself towards that that goal and then you know once you've achieved it you can say oh that was fantastic i set my mind to that and i achieved it and then you keep going and so that's the nice thing about mindset is that you know uh, uh, having a success mindset applies to every aspect of your life and every aspect of your life you can continue to expand so it's that's i think the most exciting thing for me is is watching you know people who who had call reluctance or who had fear of, of presenting, you know, they take the mindset of, you know, I'm going to get in front of my prospect. I'm going to get in front of my prospect by before 9am every morning. That's my, that's my goal. Right. And then they take action that comes to them. And then it's a great outcome. <laughs> they, they meet people, they get exciting goals achieved, they get more sales. And so then they, you know, continue to build from there on what else they can Very do. Very frustrating. Um, I do want to point out quickly that there's no way that you're 59. Um, that's <laughs> simply not Thank possible. Um, so we're just going to move on from that. Uh, 
you mentioned uh, when you were speaking, you know, about how sometimes we repeat a pattern or we repeat a behavior and whether that's at work um, or in relationships. And, and that's honestly what it made me think of is, you know, I have been in a domestic violence relationship and, you know, I can even look at myself and see some patterns that repeated for a time. Um, luckily, I finally got past them, but we seem to do that a lot. And, you know, we think we got better. We think we addressed the problem. And yet there we are again in the same situation. Why do you think that happens and what can we do about it? Well, I think the first thing, the first thing that is the most important is kindness to ourselves above all else. The other thing I have to say about that is that we perceive progress to be linear and it is not, it is a spiral. So while you may say to yourself in a moment of frustration and anger at finding yourself in a similar situation, it's not the same. It might be similar, but it's not the same because you are now dealing with a different layer of that pattern, you know, because every pattern is an onion. And as I have recently discovered for myself in an area of my life, the deeper you go into the onion, the thicker the layers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not really talked about very much. So I am here to discuss that. Uh, and I think that when we perceive progress as linear, that's when we get stuck. Well, what's the point? Mm -hmm. If I'm just going to find myself in this kind of situation again, why am I even going to go through the tears and the suffering and the pain and all the things that accompany unraveling a pattern? But when you can reframe it, as it being a spiral and you're working your way down to the core. And you know what, it's funny. I used to joke all the time that the bitch who got my body in the next lifetime owed me big for all the work I've done. And now I'm at a point at this stage of my life where I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna save some for the next person. <laughs> I don't need to do it all, you know? And I think that's also a really healthy attitude because it's never gonna be perfect. It can always be better, but it's never gonna be perfect. So when I find myself in those situations where I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, are you kidding me? How can I be in this place again? I do my best to take a breath and be kind to myself, particularly that small person who's still, whose energy still lives inside of me and say, you know, okay, here we are, but you know what? Maybe, and there's a wonderful poem. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's called A Life in Five Short Chapters mm -hmm. by a woman named Portia Nelson. And it is, a, it is a guideline for my life. I'm not gonna remember it exactly, but the gist of it is chapter one, I walk down the street, I fall a hole, I didn't see it, it's not my fault, I can't get out. Chapter two is I walk down a street, I see a hole, I fall in, I still can't get out, it is my fault. The third chapter is I walk down a street, I see a hole, I fall in, I manage to get out. The fourth chapter is I walk down a street, I see a hole, I walk around it. And the fifth chapter is I walk down a different street. And that is the process of healing for everything. And you may be 
you may need to stay in chapter two for a minute or chapter three, because, you know, one of the things that I don't know that is, that has been, it is starting to be talked about now with, we were talking before about all the influencers on TikTok and Instagram mm -hmm. who are mental health and, and trauma recovery advocates, but you have to, you have to go through the process of letting go what is part of those patterns. You know, you say, we say let go of a pattern and it's like, oh, I'm just going to pick up this mouse and look, I've let go of it. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> there are all kinds of spider webs attached to that mouse and you have to clip every single one of them. And some of them are people and some of them are jobs and some of them are living spaces and some, some of them are beliefs and some of them are habits and some of them are, uh, resistance. I mean, there's so many different threads that connect us to that pattern. And so you may need to be in chapter two for a minute. And that's okay. Because as long as you're taking a step, that's what counts. It's consistency in the healing journey. That's what matters. And that doesn't mean that you're doing it every day. Because that can be a lot. I know because I do it every day. Not everybody's cut out for that. You know, I've had friends say to me, my God, how do you even like work or do anything else? And at this stage, I move through realizations and recognitions pretty quickly, but that's not always been the case. It's like going to the gym, you know? I I'm able to do it because I've been doing it consistently for almost 30 years now. So it's, you just can't get angry with yourself. And if you do understand that that anger is really sadness, that you're not someplace else yet, that you don't have what you say you want. And then when you can find a way to be compassionate for your sadness, the anger goes away. And then you're free to move to the next step. I'm so glad that you mentioned having issues or toxic female friends as well, because I think a lot of people never think about that. They think about toxic relationships as romantic relationships, and they never think that maybe they haven't picked the best friends or the best friends haven't picked them. What was it like for you to kind of realize that and to make that shift for yourself and to do things that were best for you so that you could feel good? It was hard, you know. <laughs> I grieved my female friendships more than my marriage because with my female friends, I really opened my heart and I really let them in. And I never thought I'd be like, not in touch with these people. You know, these were friends that I talked to every day, some for, you know, 25 years. And it was, a, there was a lot of grieving. And, uh, but still, even though I felt the loss of not having this person, I still felt more self-esteem because I don't want to be talked to in a critical, negative, mean-spirited way. And I believe in the saying, Claudia, go where the love is. And now I go where the love is, whether it's, you know, friends, jobs, any situation. If I feel that, that little uh, knot in my stomach of, oh my God, that was really hurtful. Like, I don't, I don't go there anymore. I just, and I don't walk away with anger. I detach in a loving way and I wish them the best, but I just, I just don't want to be around people that give me that, you know, icky feeling of, oh my God, that's just, 
that's just a mean-spirited person. There are so many people out there that want to do what you're talking about, but they don't feel that self-worth. They don't feel that self-love to say, I am worth better. What do we say to those people to help them realize that, yes, you are, and you deserve good things and happiness as well? Well, I used to be scared of being alone. And now I realize that if you break down the word alone, Claudia, it spells all one. So my spirituality, which is my first pillar of abundance, I build my life on my spirituality. So if I'm truly connected to God, to the universe, to source, spirit, whatever you call it, I'm never alone. And I have a higher power that loves me more than my mom does. So I would rather be alone, meaning all one with my mm-hmm. God than a bad company. And I had, I had to do a lot of healing alone, you know, a lot of writing and reflecting and reading and sleeping and just a lot of healing alone. And it was, it was awesome. Cause I had never allowed myself to be alone. I was someone who was perpetually busy. Like I was running from my pain and it finally got to catch up with me. And it's kind of like, when you really feel your pain, it's like having an emotional flu, like you do feel it and it is really sad, but then it passes and you come out the other side and you're better than ever. So I just had to be willing to feel those uncomfortable emotions that I had been running from my whole life. And, and I got to the other side and I, you know, life is going to life. I'm sure there's going to be other loss, but I know now that the grief is just going to, it's just going to pass and I'm just going to go through it. And grief comes in waves, you know, some, some days you're great. And some days so like hit, you know, hear a song or see a movie and it'll just release a lot of tears and You know, I can tell you now, after being through this period of letting go of a toxic romantic relationship and toxic friendships, that I've never been happier. I didn't even know it was possible to be this happy. That it is crazy how much other people's shit does affect us and and other people's energy. And I know it's kind of like you said, a lot of people um, don't believe in energy or say like, oh, that's, that's that woo woo stuff. I don't know. But I think if we, if we put it on its simplest level of like, if you go somewhere and everybody there is in a bad mood, you feel that bad mood and you don't really want to stay there. That's energy. So it doesn't have to be this complex. Not everybody's there, like stirring a cauldron of spells, uh, for it to be energy you you said a lot of things there that I want to talk about first off you said for a while you didn't even know you had anxiety I was in the same boat how many people do you think are like us that are struggling through life and don't even know what they're dealing with truthfully I would say 70 to 80 percent of people who have anxiety who have panic who have severe depression and this is not to make light of mental illness because obviously I suffer my children suffer we all but the thing is is that there is a point where you can take control and yes it's hard when you're in that deep hole it's to me 70 to 80 percent of people are affected by energy they're affected by the buildings they're walking into they're affected by the people they're working with they're affected by a negative spouse by teenage children man like it took me a little bit to figure out they're also mediums they're also intuitives they're also highly empathic people and one week i was like why the fuck am i so angry every day taking the kids to school i'm like dude nothing's even ha-. i mean you know mornings are kind of a shit show but 
It's like, nothing has happened to make me this angry. I figured out it was my teenage daughter. Like she's holding that anger. She's holding that energy. Then she's going to school with 2000 other angry hormonal people, you know, (laughs) and whether you believe it or not, even simple things, you can just have that intention. Like I really want to help Mary today, but I don't want to take her shit home with me. Like her problems get to stay her problems, but I can still have empathy for that. And it's, you're just creating that boundary for yourself, for your energy. And even simple things I like to tell people, especially nurses, people who are touching people, hairdressers, massage people, anybody that is like constantly in contact with people all day long, dude, if you're not clearing and protecting your energy all day, like your shit will tank. Like you will feel like shit. You'll feel tired. You'll feel depressed. You'll feel anxious. You'll feel sick to your stomach. You'll feel tired. Like to me, the simplest thing people could do is just clear and protect your energy. And that doesn't have to mean you are a witch. You're doing all the crazy. I'm not a witch. I'm an intuitive. I work for God. Like he tells me what to do and simple things. It's just having that intention, asking the angels to clear you, asking the angels to protect you. Like you don't have to I need my shit simple and fast and spirit knows that like my shit is fast, simple. If I can't do it in the car when I'm going to the bathroom, then I'm not going to do it because I don't have 40 hours to sit and meditate and clear and do all the things like, nope, spirit. And I have created super fast, like, dude, I'm going into target. What do I need to protect myself? And then they'll just put lightning on me or they'll put this on me. I'm like, okay. And that's all I need. I don't think about it. I don't worry about it. And now that I understand it, I know that my where my anxiety is is usually very very low but if my heart starts beating palpitating I feel sick all of a sudden I know that it's a person that just walked into the room or the client that I'm working with or somebody that I'm talking to like I know now my energy from other people's energy so it's super easy to be like holy fuck they're a drain like I need to stop or I need to have better boundaries with that person and us as humans we have shitty boundaries because we want people to like us. We, if we're business people, if we're moms, if we're whatever, who we ever we are, we all have shitty boundaries, energetic boundaries, physical boundaries, mental boundaries. Like, you know, if you don't, if you don't clear the water and, and make yourself kind of clean and clear, then man, you just, you're just everybody's energy dumpster. Yes. Jen, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up here momentarily. Of course, we're going to talk about tattoos before we wrap up. Now, I know you said it was 90 something there. Um, It's not here. I'm still in a sweater. We are recording this in June. So you can't see any of my tattoos, but we both know that we both love tattoos. You've talked a lot about yours already on the podcast. So I just want to hear first your favorite tattoo story that you have. Okay. Um favorite tattoo story wow i feel like there's a lot of them right um um i guess for so when i got my um lighthouse one which is you know it's three sessions um it's huge obviously it's my entire back um and i was there the entire day two days getting it done we did the outlining and then we did the shading and just being in a tattoo parlor for six plus hours you you hear a lot of things and uh just how they talk to each other and like you know the the camaraderie but then the bickering between the two uh, between all of them um I think is incredibly interesting um but when I was getting mine done 
um, you know, a couple came in and they're like, we want to get tattoos. And we're like, well, do you guys like, what do you have? And they're like, no, we just figured we'd look through the book. And I'm like, and we're getting mad. Hmm. All right. So then after so wait, we did the tattoo. I'm so sorry. So we're looking through the book and we're getting matching tattoos. Yes. Okay. Continue. Yep. So they get, I don't even remember what they got. Cause again, I was face down because we're doing my back. So I'm hearing all of this. <laughs> and then um, afterward, my tattoo artist and every and the guy that owns the shop and everything, they're like, yeah, so over or under how long you think it, they're they're gonna they're gonna last and what do you think we're gonna do a cover-up for them? And I just thought that was hilarious because I'm like, obviously this happens all the time. And I know I've talked about this before, but I'm the type of person that like I think about my tattoos. Like I it takes me sometimes years to be like, all right, I have this idea and then I'll execute it. And um, you know, I came up with the idea with the with the lighthouse tattoo back in. 15 when my grandfather passed away and I just got it done in December mm -hmm. 21 so like it was several years um granted I was dealing with all this illness stuff so you know I, the, the tattoos were not on my radar at that point but I'm just like how often does that happen and I kind of want to know like that you know, just walk in let's get matching tattoos and I'm like I feel like that's a really bad idea Yes. And I am going to need you to get back in touch with this, this tattoo establishment so that we can find out when they each get theirs covered up. I feel yes, like that. I will, I will work on that. That's the next part of the story. Most yes. definitely. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media so you'll never miss what's going on. Remember, until next week, you are strong enough, you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.